Hey, students and parents, Justin here. Thanks for checking out the Junior High Ministry Podcast with Mariners Church this week. Uh, this week, we're in a series called Wrecking Ball, and we're talking about divorce. Now, I know divorce. My parents were divorced when I was seven years old, and it had a big impact on me, not just in who I was when I was a kid, but who I grew up to be. And we're talking about it because we know a lot of students, their families are separated, they're divorced. Our students, they have friends whose families are separated and divorced. And while the lesson that talks about divorce, we're actually really talking about how do we deal with instances in our life that are heavy, that are bigger, that are emotional? How do we deal with those? Um, And we're going to talk about that this week. So I give a couple tips of what I've learned over my years of just doing life and following Jesus, and I hope you find it helpful to you as you're living out your week. If you're listening on iTunes and you're digging this, leave a five-star review. We love it. It helps us get the message out. Enjoy. Give the band a big round of applause. Wonderful job. They did a wonderful job. They're amazing. Alex, it's always good to have Alex here. Uh, Hey, welcome to Junior High. My name is Justin. I'm the Junior High Pastor here at the church. I'm so happy to see all of you. Do me a favor. Slip your phones into your pockets. You're not going to need them for the next 30 minutes. Uh, And I want to get into what we're talking about today. We're in a series called Wrecking Ball. And the last couple weeks, we've been talking about heavier stuff, more serious stuff. And today, we are talking about, and I I want you to know, that what I'm trying to do is to help us think differently about how we deal with like heavy, serious things that happen in our life. Like my goal is that, and when you're leaving today, and when you're going into your week and into your you know Monday, and as we head toward Thanksgiving and all of the things that go with it, that we're not just looking at a topic, but we're looking and changing the way we think about it and how we interact with things that happen in that topic or in that world, in the serious things that happen in our lives. And today we're going to be talking about divorce, and we're using divorce as the example to talk about how we deal with serious, heavy things that happen in our lives. Now, I know not every uh, kid in here, uh, you know, your parents are divorced, but a lot of you, your parents probably are not divorced, but chances are everyone knows someone whose parents are divorced. So I want to lean in with this verse. It's the key verse that we've been using um, for the whole series. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and everyone knows what it feels like to be brokenhearted about something. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Now, I want you to answer this question for me, okay? And if you haven't memorized this verse, I encourage you to. Answer this question for me. How many people, or who do you know, people, do you know anyone whose parents are divorced? And some of you might say, oh, like, my parents are divorced, so I, and I know myself. Some of you would say, I have a friend. I have someone. But all of you can say that you know me. And if you don't know that, my parents are divorced. They got divorced when I was seven years old. And this lesson is not about divorce. So if you're sitting here thinking, oh, my parents aren't divorced. I don't really know anyone who's divorced. So I'm going to tune out. And I'm going to pull my phone out. And I'm going to take that perfect picture of me you know, on the left side of my face. And I'm going to post it, look, you know, beautiful, handsome. This is a lesson to tune into. Because while we're using divorce as the example, what we're trying to teach you is how we respond or what we do to see. So let me tell you the story about my parents' divorce. I was seven years old. Okay, I was very, very young. My parents argued. And your parents fight. Parents argue. Me and my wife, we argue and stuff. Like, you know, people argue. It's not a big deal. But my parents used to argue. And one day we were sitting there watching a movie, a movie called The Blue Lagoon. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Blue Lagoon. But there's, like, there's some dicey parts of the movie. You probably don't want to Google The Blue Lagoon. But I saw this movie with my parents. So I watched the movie, The Blue Lagoon, and it's about eight at night. It's my me, my mom. We're sitting there on the couch. Dad's sitting there on the couch. And a knock comes to the door. Knock, knock, knock on the door. 
Mom goes to the door, answers the door. It's snowing. There's snow everywhere, okay? Buffalo, New York. I'm born of snow. I'm basically the Elsa, the male Elsa. And there's snow everywhere. And they knock on the door, and it's this guy from the court, and he has court papers in his hands, and he gives my mom these divorce papers. And she knew what, they, what it was immediately, and they told me to go upstairs, and then they started arguing, and, you know, not like, you know, fighting, and not like physically fighting, like my mom would have whooped my dad if they were physically fighting. My mom was... She's the real deal. She was born in Buffalo. Uh, but they were arguing and having this whole thing. And I didn't know what it meant when I was seven years old. I didn't know what it meant. But I knew that something was changing. And over the next couple years of my life, I didn't know everything that was going on about divorce. I didn't even know what divorce meant. But I started to get the idea when my dad was packing up everything, moving out of the house, and when I'd only see him now and then. And I started thinking about it. I started carrying like, these thoughts with me as I was getting up. So I don't know if anyone's parents are divorced. You don't have to raise your hands. But typically... Typically, there's a couple things that we believe as kids that are not true, but we believe them to be true. And I believe some things to be true when I was a kid. I'm going to read off some of these statements, okay? Things that we believe to be true that are not true, okay? We believe that sometimes it's our fault, and I want you to know that it's not my fault. You know, no kid is responsible for their parents' divorce. But I remember when I was a kid, I used to carry with me for years feeling like I was the reason why. That's how I, I never shared it with anyone. I never talked to anybody about it because I didn't even know how to start that conversation. But me, I would quietly sit there and I'd think to myself that maybe I was the reason why. And I want you to know that it's not my fault. It's not your fault either. Here's another statement. Uh, There's no wrong way for me to feel. So if you're sitting here and you're feeling like, you know what, I feel like this this is the wrong way for me to feel. Maybe I should feel differently. No one can tell you how to feel, you or you. So if you feel angry, upset, confused, hurt, mad, you can feel all those things because there's nothing wrong with you feeling how you feel. Okay, no one can tell you how to feel. Here's a third thing. There is outside support for me if I need it or want it. I never believed that there was help for me. I never believed that anyone cared enough to ask. I never believed that anyone would be able to give me, you know, know, words to make me feel better. I felt like I was just totally alone in this. I lived from like eight, you know, probably like seven, eight years old till I was like 13, 14 years old before I really like had a conversation with someone to help work through how I was feeling. But there's support for me. There's support for you if you need it. Here's a, la- here's a second to last one. Uh, my, uh, it's, it's not my responsibility to fix my parents' marriage. I used to think that, well, if only I could fix this if only I could put it back together and I come up with a plan, like, oh, maybe I get everyone to a dinner and like, I saw this movie, Parent Trap, and I was like, this is a great movie. Like, this is genius. Like, well, I got to try this. And, you know, maybe I could get them together. I can figure it all out. It's not my responsibility, though, to figure that out for my parents. Like, it's not my responsibility to wish that it would happen. It's not my responsibility to blame myself if it doesn't happen. These, if you ever feel like, man, maybe I can do something, you can't. You're a kid. That's okay. We're supposed to be kids. We're supposed to be like getting into trouble and skinning our knees and being in a life group and, and eating too much candy and, and watching YouTube videos. That's what we should be doing, going to camp, paintballing, you know, hearing the rules, don't shoot people in the face, but you know all you're aiming for is the face. Like, that's what you should be doing. You're a kid. That's what you should be doing. That we're not, we're not responsible for fixing our parents' marriage. And here's the last one, and this is the hardest one for me. Marriage will be wonderful. This is the hardest one for me. And I know that there's not a lot of people in this room who are married. I'm married. Mark's married. Uh, you're married? I didn't know you were married. Uh, who else is married? Uh, yeah, that guy over there is married. That guy back there, he wants to get married. So if you know anyone, his name's Evan. He works on the tech staff. He's, uh, he's looking at, he's moved here. He's new in town. He's wearing the black collared shirt back there. 
He's new in town. He just moved here. Uh, he's single, but he's looking to meet someone. Evan, Evan, what's, uh, what kind of girl are you looking for again? Remind me. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about how you're single, and but you're looking, so if anyone has like an older sibling or something, that's what we're talking about. We've been talking about it literally for about two minutes, and you just haven't been listening, which has made it awesome for everyone in the room just looking at you as I've been talking about you. It's been really good. Welcome to junior high, by the way. Welcome to junior high. But listen, marriage will be awesome, and not a lot of you are married, and I want to be honest, none of you should be thinking about marriage, but I want you to hear this. For many, many years, I thought, I would not be able to be a good husband. I wouldn't be able to be a good father because my own parents' marriage didn't work out. And listen, if you're in that category where your parents' marriage didn't work out and like, you know, divorce happened, like, I understand that, okay? That is, does not define who you are. That does not speak to the future you're going to have. You're responsible for your future, and you can write a completely different one, just like I have. Now, I'm married, get a wonderful wife, I got two kids. Like, I broke that scenario of thinking, oh, I'll never be able to do marriage or do life, that my future looks bleak and looks sad because of the things that have happened, and that's just not true. Now, here's the thing. This is not a lesson about divorce. It's a lesson about how we respond to things, but I kind of wanted to break some of the things that we typically believe. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about three things. These are three things that I've done, that I've tried, that I've incorporated into my life and how I deal with hard situations. These three things are things that I still do. I'm 32 years old. I still do these three things. These are the three things that doesn't matter if you're talking about divorce, talking about the loss of a loved one, doesn't matter if you're talking about bullying, doesn't matter if you're talking about you know, any kind of difficult thing that's happening in your life. These three things, it's not magic, it's, there's no magical Harry Potter stuff in this. There's just three things that I've tried that I've found have worked for me that I think could work for you. So here's the first one, okay? When it comes to helping figure this out, get the help you need. A lot of people think like, you know what? I got to handle it myself. I think there's, there's a segment of young men, and so there's a lot of young men in this room who have people older than them who look at you and say, oh, you got to be a man. You got to man up. You got to handle it. That's just not real. You don't have to. Manning up does not mean handling it yourself. You need to get the help you need. For some of you, it's just talking to someone like me, a youth pastor. Some of you, it's talking to a leader, a guy like Tyler who's been doing youth ministry longer than I have, talking to a guy like Evan who has life experience. You know, for some, oh yeah, so yeah, exactly, pointing at her. See, look at, look at Michaela, they love you. It means talking to a leader. For some of you, it means counseling. Dude, I did years of counseling. Anyone who tells you that meeting with a counselor is a bad thing or labels you or makes you weird or odd or bad, have them come talk to your bald, tattooed youth pastor. And I'll tell them how weird and odd I am. Because I'm not weird and odd, okay? I needed help, but I was strong enough to admit it. And I went and got it. And I met with this guy for like 10 years and we talked about how I was feeling and talked about how I was dealing with how I was feeling. And we talked about forgiveness and what it meant for me to forgive my dad and a very difficult thing. Anyone who tells you counseling is, not a, bad, is a bad thing, you need to have them come talk to me because it's a very good thing if you need it. You know, there's this verse from the book of Matthew chapter seven. This is what it says. And this is the perfect picture of Jesus. This is so good. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. The, 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 the picture of Jesus is, I want to help you. All you have to be willing to do is take the first step. You know, how often do we sit there and say, oh God, you're going to take the first step. You, well, we're ready when you are, God. But the truth is, God's always ready. He's just waiting for us to take a step. Knock on the door. That he, that he has answers, not, not solutions. I'm not saying solutions. But I'm saying that God is ready to listen when you're ready to talk. That God is ready to comfort the brokenhearted when you're willing to let him. You know, I want you to write this down so we appear on the screen. This is what it says. We shouldn't handle big stuff in our lives alone. We shouldn't handle big stuff in our lives alone. 
You know, let me run you down a little list real quick. When I was a child, like seven, eight years old, there was this guy named Al. He was a vacuum cleaner salesman. And then you might think vacuum cleaner salesman, that's a real thing. Like back in like the early, like the late 90s, being a vacuum cleaner salesman, he sold these vacuum cleaners called Kirby vacuum cleaners, okay? I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that, but it's a real thing. It's an old vacuum cleaner, okay? Really good vacuum cleaners. And one time my mom went away on like this women's retreat deal and I went with him to sell vacuum cleaners. And I was like, like nine, 10 years old. I wore a suit, I wore a tie. We went around selling vacuum cleaners. This, guy, this guy's name was Al. Why did Al do that? Is it because I was a master salesman? I was not a master salesman. It's because he valued spending time with me and listening to me when I talked. Like I surrounded myself with people who would listen to me. Not, not just waiting for their turn to talk, but they honestly would sit and listen to what I had to say. Al was one of them when I was a kid. When I was in junior high, I had this leader named Earl. A lot of you guys have heard me talk about Earl. Earl's a gangster dude, okay? This guy served in World War II. This guy in life groups will be telling us World War II stories. He'd be like, oh yeah, I'd be behind the bunker and I'm shooting the Germans. Blah, 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 blah. And then my buddy would just had blown off and blood all over me. And I just kept shooting. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, it was blowing my mind. And I would go home and tell my mom these stories. And my mom would call my youth pastor like, who is this leader working with my kid? What's he talking? But do you know what? Earl did not wait for his turn to talk. Earl listened to what I had to say. He was one of the guys that I included because I didn't handle big stuff in my life alone. When I was, I had a youth pastor when I was in junior high named Tony. He was bald and handsome, just like me. And he would listen to me and he was there for me. When I was in high school, I had a youth pastor named Dan, who was my high school pastor. He was awesome. In college, I had a college pastor named Wes Aram, who was awesome. My best friend, Tony Sherman, this guy's my best friend. I was in New York last week visiting my mom. My mom is sick. I go home every month to visit her. So I was there visiting my mom. I was driving down the road with Tony. Dude, me and him have known each other since we were younger than all of you. And now we're 32 years old. We have our lives. We have our careers. And we still sit there in the car driving, talking about how things are going in our lives. Because I don't handle big things in my life. I'm talking, my, talking with Tony about my son who has autism, talking about how my marriage is going. Like I talk to him about big, what you define the things that are the big things in your life. And then you make the list of names of the people who you are including in having the conversations about the biggest things in your life. You just take a piece of paper, it's just so simple. You make a piece of paper, you draw a little T chart, just like this, boom, big T. On one side, you put all the big issues in your life. And on the other side, you list all the names of the people that you're including in the journey of conversation about the issues that are happening in your life. And if you can't do that, then you are missing what God has for you. I want you to write this down. This is the next thing. When it comes to God, we need to go to God. We are so bad at going to God sometimes. Like, we're really good at going to God and the things we want. Like, oh, God, like, help the Buffalo Bills win today. I was in Buffalo last week watching the Bills game, and the Saints absolutely obliterated them. I'm there watching the game. I'm there watching the game. There was a bunch of, bunch of Canadians around me, which I was like, oh boy, Canada. And, uh, and I was watching the game and, and the Buffalo Bills were just getting slaughtered. But I had no problem saying, God, just let them get an interception, please. They're in the red zone, please. I have no problem talking to God about getting an iPhone X. I have absolutely no problem saying, God, I really, you know, if you knew how bad my phone was, Lord, you'd help me get an iPhone X too. Like, you know, I have no problem praying for that. I have no problem praying for, you know, God to help me with my grades. I, you know, when I was a kid and you know, I have a big test coming up, I have no problem saying, God, I know you care about math. Help me. I can't do this without you. But I have the hardest time saying, God, I have something serious in my life and I need your help. Because I make a lot of excuses of why I don't need God. All right, let me give you an example. This is from John chapter, uh, I believe it's chapter five. 
Skip down to verse number five. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. So there's basically this pool, this area where the people with, who with you know, disabilities could get healed. And the pool for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? This is what it says in the next verse. Sir, the invalid replied. Now I want you to listen to this, okay? Pay attention. Jesus comes to this guy and says, hey, you, I know that something's wrong with you. Do you want me to help fix it? I know that something in your life's not working out, and I want to help you fix it. And this is how the invalid replies. And listen, we reply like the invalid all the time. This is us. And this is the excuse he makes. He said, he replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. The the angel would come down from heaven, stir the water. It's a complicated thing. I'm not going to get into it, but it would heal people. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up, and it should say, pick up your mat and walk. See, here's what we do. We do the invalid thing all the time. What we do is that when God's saying, hey, I want to help you, I want to, I want to help you through whatever's going on in your life, we make all the excuses why we don't need God's help. Well, God, you know, this isn't too big of a deal. God, you don't understand the friendships that are involved in this. God, you don't understand the social system of my school. God, you, you don't understand, like, what this person said to me. If you would have heard what they said to me, you would know this needs to be handled by me. Like, God, you don't know what it's like, Mom and Daddy. Your parents were married. Like, you don't get what it's like. You know, God, when, you're, when your friends died, like, you just rose them back from the dead. Like, I can't raise my friends back from the dead when they die. They're dead. Like, you don't get what it's like, Jesus. But the truth is that Jesus not only understands the things that we've been through, but he actually offers the help and support that we need. And we're typically the ones to say, no, God, we don't need that. God, you, you don't, we don't got time for that. God, we can figure this out. We come up with the excuses. Hey, I want you to write this down. It's going to be up here on the screen. This is what it says. God is looking for you to help. Not looking for you to help him. He's looking for you to help because he wants to help you. He's not bored and just sitting up there playing Pokemon, all right? He's not sitting up in heaven, kicking back his feet, watching Stranger Things. And you know, because God is like the God of all time, he's already watching season three. Like he's like, God's like, he sees it all. God's not doing it. God's looking for you and saying, I want to help you. I care about you. You matter to me. I want to help. You know, this is what it says. I want you to write this down. Nope, skip this one. Go to the next one. Give yourself time. See, this is the most important thing. This is what the hardest thing for people are. I don't know if anyone has heard this before. They say that time heals, like, all wounds. I don't know if anyone heard that saying. It's like, kind of like a saying that's been passed along, you know, through time. Time heals all wounds. Here's the thing. Time doesn't heal anything. Time doesn't fix stuff. You know, do you know what would be so good? You know what would be so good? And I don't know if anyone likes, like, meat. Like, if anyone's a meat eater, carnivore like I am, okay? I like meat, okay? Do you know what would be so good? If I went to bed and left, like, a big, thick ribeye steak out, like, on my counter. And I went to bed, and 12 hours later, which I like to sleep about 12 hours, I get up, and there's a perfectly cooked steak waiting for me on that same counter. Do you know how great that would be? If it just magically happened that, you know, just cooked itself. Well, yeah, I could give it more time. Maybe I could give it like a week. I'll just put a piece of meat up there. I'll give it like a week. And like a week later, I should have this perfectly cooked steak, right? That doesn't make any sense at all. Because time doesn't cook steak. You know, cooking steak cooks steak. You know, but, but we know that makes sense when we're talking about meat. But we tend to think it makes total sense when we're talking about our emotions. 
That, oh, no, no, I can't talk about how I'm feeling. I just need to bottle it up inside. I just need to give it time. I just need to sleep on it. I just need, I, I just need to be away from them for a while. And distance will cure everything. It cures nothing. But we think that if we give ourselves time, we can deal with it ourselves. Give yourself time to deal with it the right way. This is what it says in the Bible. This is such a good verse from Psalms. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's our theme verse for the whole series. You guys know that. This is what it says in Psalm 147.3. God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Now, we know what it looks like to like, I don't know if everyone's ever like been cut up before. Like they fall off their bike and they're like bleeding and it's like oozing everywhere. It's gross. Or like they just cut themselves with a knife and it's like, oh, what am I going to do? And like you bandage it up, right? But here's the thing. We're not talking about physical wounds. We're talking about emotional wounds. That God heals and bandages our emotional wounds. The things we deal with, the things we struggle with, the things that, we're, that are just breaking us apart, God heals those things. I want you to write this down. Here's what it says. Time doesn't heal, dealing with things heal. Time does not heal. Time does not make things okay. Distance does not make it all all right. Sleeping on it doesn't make it any less painful the next day. Time doesn't heal. Dealing with things heals. Now, it might take some time to deal with those things and give yourself the time you need. Dude, I was in counseling for like five years once a week for five years, I'd meet with a guy. And we'd sit there and we'd talk about everything and how I was feeling and what it was like. And every Father's Day, like we would talk about it and like the weeks leading up to it. And it was hard because my dad wasn't around. Like I invested the time, but I didn't just say it would figure itself out. I did things about it. You know, so what does that look like for you? Hey, listen, most of you in here are like, this, these are really good notes. I'm gonna save these for when I need them. Because you're not going through anything really hard, serious right now. I totally am for that. Some of you are definitely going through stuff right now. And you're like, this is perfect for right now. What do I do? Listen, if you don't know what to do and you're going through something, dude, we have the best leaders, I swear, we have the best leaders on planet Earth. Guys like Tyler, Michaela, dude, Evan, they're so good. Listen, these leaders are so good. So if you need to talk to someone, talk to a leader. I, I probably, and because if they don't know what to do, they'll come find someone who does. Like They're not arrogant enough to think they have every answer. They don't. And listen, I'm not arrogant enough to think I have every answer. Come talk to me. If I don't know what to do, I'll help you find someone. And for some of you, it might mean doing counseling. Counseling's not a bad thing. I've done counseling. For some of you, it might mean sitting down with mom and dad or just mom or just dad and saying, I need to tell you how I'm feeling and I need you to just listen. Listening, it's so easy. When your brain sends an impulse to open your mouth and start talking, just don't do that. Just keep it, keep it closed. Get some tape or whatnot and tape it if you need to. And I, mom, dad, I just need you to sit and listen to what I'm saying into how I'm feeling. And for you, that might be the first step. Because here's the thing, and I want you to write it down. It's the big idea for today. Nope, keep going. We miss out on what God can do with 100% of the things we don't include him in. We miss out on what God can do with 100% of the things we don't include him in. Because God can do stuff. Listen, God wants to. Knock, the door will be open. Seek, you're gonna find you know, ch -ch -ch. God, what do you include them? But we miss out on that when we don't include them. So when mom or dad says, hey, what'd you guys learn? You know, Thanksgiving's coming up. What up? What'd you guys learn? You're gonna be able to look at mom and dad and say, this is what I learned today. I learned that we miss out on what God can do with 100% of the things we don't include them on. And then you look back at mom and dad and what do you say? What did you learn at the 11 o'clock service? You guys nail it every service. You guys are great. 
So this is the deal. I want you guys to know that we're doing this series not because I want to bring up a bunch of painful thoughts. We're doing this series because I want to help you deal with and work through painful things because I love you enough to do it. Um, Listen, we know that this week is Thanksgiving. I'm excited for this week. I have a lot of anticipation for this week. The band's coming back up. They're going to do a song before we go. But I want you to remember this. If you don't remember anything, remember this. When you come back to church next week, you can feel comfortable bringing me a Tupperware full of your leftovers. Because I like eating leftovers, and I'll eat your leftovers too. Hey, can everyone stand up for me? We're going to worship together one last song, and then we're going to go. All right, you ready to go? Alex, take it away, Alex. You're the man. Everyone loves you. Joy. So good seeing you. Hey, everybody, why don't you come on up? We're going to worship with one last song.